Hi, I'm Edwin. And I'm Andrew. Two men. Fifteen minutes. Eternal impact. Welcome to Text Talk. His glory I will see. Welcome to Text Talk. We're so glad that you're joining us in the program today. Excited about a new chapter as we turn the page in the book of Acts to Acts chapter 21. Edwin, what is our text for the broadcast today? We are in Acts chapter 21 this week, and I am going to be reading from verse 7 all the way through verse 16 from the English Standard Version. I thought you were just going to read to 13. I'm going to read through 16. Oh, okay. Well, I'm going to have great things to say about it. Good. (laughs) When we had finished the voyage from Tyre, we arrived at Ptolemaeus, and we greeted the brothers and stayed with them for one day. On the next day, we departed and came to Caesarea, and we entered the house of Philip, the evangelist, who was one of the seven, and stayed with him. He had four unmarried daughters who prophesied. While we were staying for many days, a prophet named Agabus came down from Judea, and coming to us, he took Paul's belt, bound his own feet and hands, and said, Thus says the Holy Spirit, This is how the Jews at Jerusalem will bind the man who owns this belt and deliver him into the hands of the Gentiles. When we heard this, we and the people there urged him not to go up to Jerusalem. Then Paul answered, What are you doing, weeping and breaking my heart? For I am ready not only to be imprisoned, but even to die in Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. And since he would not be persuaded, we ceased and said, Let the will of the Lord be done. After these days, we got ready and went up to Jerusalem, and some of the disciples from Caesarea went with us, bringing us to the house of Nason of Cyprus, an early disciple with whom we should lodge. Well, now I know why you thought I was going to stop at 13, because we're going to talk about 14 tomorrow, so don't don't get into 14. I won't get into 14. I don't have much to say, because actually all my preparation was on verse 1. I had brought some <laughs> pictures of roads to share. Um, but I'm just going to roll with you, man. Let's let's pick up in verse 6. I love it. So they were on a boat, and then they got off the boat. <laughs> this is going to be a good, good day, good, good week of podcasting. It's a good, good week of podcasting. I'm kind of glad that Jackson's going to be filling in for you tomorrow. <laughs> okay, look. All right, I think, I think you on. mean uh, uh, advancing the cause and, and raising the bar tomorrow. Tune Let's, into that podcast. All right, here's my question. I know the things that you're interested in. It mentions to us Philip. Yes. It mentions his family. Yes. And it says things like he was one of the seven. Yeah. So what's that that about? I mean, that is really interesting to me. As Luke is bringing this inspired history, there's some of these people that we met early on uh, in the account, and we've not heard about them for a while. You know, have you ever wondered... And then what? What next? In fact, the last time we saw this particular Philip, Philip the Evangelist, is after the conversion of an Ethiopian treasurer. The spirit whisked him away so that the treasurer didn't even see him uh, after the baptism. Of course, the treasurer goes on his way rejoicing. We don't really know what happened with him next. And then uh, what happened to Philip, right? Caesarea. And here we have picked up a link and we find evidently he has stayed in one community all of these years. He's had a wife, he's had children, had daughters. Who are prophets. Who are prophets, that's right. And so they're very active in the in the ministry and the cause all this time. And so while we've kind of been tracking along in, in Luke's account of uh, you know the spread of the gospel geographically and through these different provinces, etc., what we also learn is that there were some who stayed right where they were. 
preaching and teaching the Word of God in a community, planning that place and building up the church, and that is so important as well. Kept on working, and I just I just want to remember this idea of what was the, being of the seven. Oh, sure, yeah. Was so we we talked about him as an evangelist and his work with the Ethiopian eunuch. Prior to that, he was one of those seven men that were chosen when the Hellenistic widows were being overlooked. Yeah, he is one of the. Hellenistic Christians, Hellenistic Jews, one of the Greek-speaking Jews who had come into Jerusalem and was chosen as a, I believe, deacon. Some folks view it as a proto-deacon or as looking forward to that. But here's this fellow that was chosen in order to help take care of the widows. He goes on to be an evangelist. So I just wanted to bring all of that in. Here's Philip. One of the things I like to bring up about this or I'm thinking about right now. You, you really hit on that as you were talking about where he was and how we've missed this whole part of his life. But it's easy to get into Acts and think, as I said last uh, last week, a couple weeks ago, first half is about Peter. He's mm-hmm. the only one doing anything. Mm-hmm. Second half is about Paul. He's the only one doing anything. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What we find out is no, 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 there's others. They're yeah. working and it's continuing on. And here we find Philip, the evangelist. That's right. With his daughters who are prophetesses. And here they are helping out Paul as he's on his way to Jerusalem or talking to him. Right. And, and of course, as we're picking up, he's on this way to Jerusalem. The Spirit has already shown him, at least by the time he met with those elders in Ephesus at Miletus, that there was persecution lying ahead for him. Uh, He departed from them in tears. And that's kind of where we uh, close out Acts chapter 20. There's a lot of um, kind of stops along the way as the historian gives his travel itinerary, bringing us to Caesarea, which I think is where we see kind of the next advance in the narrative. What about these persecutions? It gives us some insight into inspiration because Paul had told the Ephesian elders, I'm never going to see you again. But that was not an inspired statement. So we've got Paul who does receive inspiration from the Holy Spirit. He is told things about what's going to happen, but he's not told everything. And so some of this is, here's what I'm told. Some of this is, here's what I'm surmising, because it does appear as we read through the scripture that he probably did get to see the Ephesian elders again. However, he knows something bad is coming. And that's what we see every step of the way as he's moving closer and closer and closer to Jerusalem until finally they are begging him, don't go to Jerusalem. Don't go to Jerusalem. Paul, please don't go. Reminiscent of the Ephesian riot when they would not let him go into the middle of the riot Mm -hmm. as they're trying to protect Paul. Mm -hmm. But this time Paul says, hey, I am ready not only to go to prison, but even die in Jerusalem. I think that's a great point, and we see um, that the church had intervened in different places at different times when it was coming to life and death for Paul. They sneak him out of Damascus, you know, lower him down a basket in the wall. They have to sneak him out of Jerusalem as well, all the activities in Acts chapter 9. And so there were times when the brethren would intervene to save his life. I'm not, I don't know that his attitude about being an apostle and preacher has changed, but he's not allowing them to intervene for the saving of his life. We learn throughout these trips that being a Christian, even being a teacher, it does not demand that I have to die or be beaten every time somebody comes up and threatens that. But we do see here Paul's willingness, Mm -hmm. his willingness. He wants to get to Jerusalem. He wants to proclaim the truth in Jerusalem. He wants to be there with the Christians. He is interested in the salvation of souls everywhere. He wants to get back to Jerusalem in order to celebrate the feasts of the Jews because he's still, even though he's a Christian, he is Jewish. 
But the Holy Spirit is letting him know, this is what's going to happen. When you get there, this is what's going to happen. And he says, all right, I'm willing. I'm ready. And that's that's where I need to be. It's it's kind of holding that in there. We, What I typically want to say to myself is, I mean, it's okay. You don't have to stand there and take the beating. You don't have to. But we do have Paul here, even though he didn't have to. He's ready, if that's what it's going to be. I think we gain insight as well about what it means to be an apostle. Okay, maybe our perspective of what a a successful uh, ministry would look like is uh, big crowds coming out to hear us preach, and there's a a lot of love and a lot of encouragement. Uh, You know, when you speak, things happen. Uh, And yet, to be a genuine apostle of the Lord in the first century, very different experience. Uh, There was not a lot of kowtowing. There was not glory heaped upon you, and certainly by men. And in fact, the, the experience of chains... Well, that's just one of a number of very difficult hardships uh, that was in store for these apostles. When you bring that up, I'm thinking of 1 Corinthians chapter 4. Yeah. 1 Corinthians chapter 4, that's where Paul talks about his apostleship. And here's how he describes apostleship beginning, let's see here, 1 Corinthians 4 and verse 9. For I think that God has exhibited us apostles as last of all, like men sentenced to death. Because we have become a spectacle to the world, to angels and to men, we are fools for Christ's sake, but you are wise in Christ. We are weak, but you are strong. You are held in honor, but we in disrepute. To the present hour, we hunger and thirst. We are poorly dressed and buffeted and homeless, and we labor working with our own hands. When reviled, we blessed. When persecuted, we endure. When slandered, we entreat. We have become and are still like the scum of the world, the refuse of all Things. The scum of the world. That is not a pretty picture. And yet that's apostleship. That's apostleship. Because because this is what would cause me to make up a religion. This is what would cause me to make up a religion so I can get followers and experience this kind of life. Right? No, I catch the sarcasm there. I mean, when you, when you actually look at what it meant to be an apostle, that is one of the best apologetics of the truth Right, that, that, that their teaching and their witness was true because there was no uh, earthly benefit to them. It's not televangelism. No. Uh, you know, the only reason televangelism works today and produces the kind of people that are this uh, anti-testimony, if you will, I mean, I really hate that it's there and I hate that we, we're dealing with uh, what, the, what the televangelists, right. how, how it pushes against the truth. The only reason it's there is because The apostles paved the way, Mm -hmm. and the apostles Mm -hmm. planted the Christian faith, and it grew, and now it has been dominating the world for 2,000 years, and so people have started taking advantage of it. But that's not how it started. It did not start trying to get fame and popularity and money. No, it did not start as the basis of Western culture, and everybody says, let's get back to our traditions. Uh, I think that I, uh, the Apostle Paul would list in Second Corinthians chapter 11, and I, and I always remind people, this is not the complete list <laughs> of all of his hardships, because this is not the last epistle he wrote. But what did it mean to him to be an apostle? What did he experience? You know, in verse 23, he talked about how his labors were more abundant in stripes above measure, in prisons more frequently, in death often. From the Jews, five times I received 40 stripes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I have spent in the deep, 
in journeys often, in perils of waters, in perils of robbers, in perils of my own countrymen, in perils of the Gentiles, in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils among false brethren, weariness, toil, sleeplessness often, in hunger and thirst, in fastings often, in cold and nakedness, besides the other things what comes upon me daily, my deep concern for all the churches. There was a burden to be an apostle of Jesus Christ. In 2 Corinthians chapter 2, Paul talks about being led in triumphal procession. 2 Corinthians chapter 2, beginning at verse 14. Thanks be to God, who in Christ Jesus always leads us in triumphal procession, and through us spreads the fragrance of the knowledge of him everywhere. For we are the aroma of Christ to God among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. To one, a fragrance from death to death, and to the other, a fragrance from life to life. Who is sufficient for these things? For we are not like so many peddlers of God's word, but as men of sincerity, as commissioned by God, in the sight of God, we speak in Christ. We're almost out of time, but I just this passage comes to my mind because I know for a long time, I think I misunderstood what the triumphal procession was. Right. I read a book by a fellow named Scott Haifman. Um, I think it's called Suffering and Ministry in the Spirit or Suffering in the Spirit and in Ministry. I'll look it up, try to get the right title by the time we write up some show notes on this one. But he highlighted that Every time in ancient literature, this idea of being triumphed, led in triumphal procession, actually refers to the prisoners who are being led behind the victor in order to demonstrate the glory of the victor. And what Paul says is being led as a conquered individual, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. as a prisoner and slave of Jesus Christ, being led Mm -hmm. to his very death as he is the prisoner of the victorious Jesus. And yet, unlike the normal triumph, where the prisoners are walking behind, heads hanging low in shame, he is victorious and glorifying the victor, just like all the ones on the side. And he says, we are the aroma of Christ. In other words, we are carrying on this sacrificial aroma to one group, It's from death to death. There are some people who can't understand this. To them, it's just the aroma of death. Just like seeing Jesus on the cross, it seems like a defeat. Why would you want to follow this? Right. But to the group who are being saved by it, it's the aroma of life to life, just as Jesus on the cross is victory and salvation for those who are saved by it. Paul was willing. He was a prisoner and slave of Jesus Christ, and he praised God for that. May we praise God, whatever we face. May we be ready and willing to suffer, to sacrifice, to be led to death as the prisoner of Jesus Christ, because that is the most victorious place we can be. Can you lead us in prayer, Andrew? Our great God and Father, Lord, thank you for this day. Thank you for this time in the Word and how we might be taught again by the example of the Apostle Paul in this place, and and to take a step back to look at a broader picture of what it meant to be an apostle, the price they paid. Father, how it encourages our confidence in the truth of their testimony, which is your word and the gospel. And Father, we pray that we might walk in those steps, those steps of being triumphed, so that all glory is for you, and that our living sacrifice might be a sweet aroma to you. Father, we trust you. We want to walk this day for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thanks for talking about the text with us today. I'm Edwin Crozier, and I'd like to invite you to join the Christians Who Meet on Livingston Avenue this Sunday for our Bible classes and worship. You can find out more at christiansmeethere.org. 
Check out our daily written devotional that goes along with today's episode. You can find a link for it in our show notes. Michael Eldridge wrote and sang all four parts of our theme song. You can get more from him at acapeldridge.com. Remember to subscribe, rate, and review our podcast so others can learn about it more easily. Have a great day. Well,